Hello, book lovers. You're listening to Both Sides Book Club with Katie and Debbie Allen. Every two weeks we get together and chat about a different book. We can't promise you that we will always agree, but then there are at least two sides to every story. Why don't you read with us and join in the conversation? Let's go. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Both Sides Book Club. You're with Katie and Debbie, and I hope you've had an awesome two weeks reading along and reading The Safe Place by Anna Downs. It is our first thriller with Both Sides Book Club, and it was your pick, and we are so excited to talk to you about it. And we have a special visitor. We have Anna Downs, who is the author of this book, who is going to be joining us on this episode in just a minute. But to get started, for anybody that hasn't read the book or needs a refresher, uh, the book follows a story of a young girl in her mid-20s called Emily Proudman. And she's working for an, um, a... She's a businessman. Yeah. A very successful a businessman. A very successful businessman. Yeah, in London. In London. And she goes to work one day and finds out that she has been fired for no apparent reason. Um, and... She's kind of going, well, that was weird. Like, wh- what am I doing with my life? Why am I working for people that She's don't value re- me? She has a really, a really bad day. A she really bad day. <laughs> a really bad day. <laughs> a really, really bad day. Um, and then sort of the next day she gets a call from her boss who um, wants to have a meeting with her and offers her a huge change. Basically um, offers her to ditch her life and start a new one, which is working for his family in France. So she takes the opportunity. She goes and works in France and works for his family. And things are just not what they seem. They look perfect on the outside, but Emily's job is to start cracking and starting to solve what's actually going on with their family. So it's very suspenseful. It's very visual. And um, you feel like you've also had a holiday in France. So (laughs) So recommend reading if you haven't. so to talk a little bit more about it with us, we have got, as I said, Anna Downs, the author. So we're going to tune in and speak to her now. Hello. Hi. Hey. Hi. Hi, Anna. How are you? Yeah, really good. Really good. Good well, things over there. Excellent. Thank you. Welcome yeah. to Both Sides Book Club. Welcome to Both Sides Book Club. Yeah, thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited to have you on and just to chat to you and to get a little bit about, get to know a little bit more about you. So thank you so much for giving up your time. Uh, particularly when you just got oh, back so from, my particularly when you just got back from holiday as well. So quite quick change. <laughs> Put a bit of makeup on, a bit of lippy. <laughs> <laughs> I just spent, I just spent five days camping, and like about I don't know two hours ago, I was like, ah, like <laughs> camping hair and you know in the the sweats and the tracky dacks. I've just been like, oh, oh, I have to like be presentable. So yeah. <laughs> Hey, hey, you pulled it together really well. well <laughs> Thanks. Thanks very much. Thanks. And how, how amazing is your, your setup behind you, all the, the books? It's awesome. Yeah, little studio. So when uh, when when this all kicked off and, um, you know, I, I knew that I was going to have to have some yeah. kind of presentable background, I was doing all of these kind of events from my living room yeah, and I've yeah. got like this beautiful, massive bookshelf. Um, as you know, I could kind of, 
display everything that I'd ever read behind yes. me. It was great. But I've got two children and they're yes. four and six. And so quite quickly learned that actually the living room is really not, not gonna the place. It's not going to work at all. So I'm now sequestered away in, in my office and I've kind of put this up behind me, which is is nice. But yeah, virtual events. Well, they're weird, aren't they? That's almost very similar <laughs> to us. Yeah. With us, when we started Both Sides Book Club, it was like at the very beginning of COVID. And um, we had set it up that, it was in my mother's um, same sort of thing. Your she had, I'm, why did I call you my mother? I don't know. <laughs> you call my my mum's um, like reading library room study, but that's also in the middle of her house. Um, yeah. So we're and like, it's kind of like there was just a constant parade of people, kind of like, and the washing machine going on, and and I know, you know, I know. And you can't eat now. You're making noise. <laughs> Stop it. I know, but there's, there's kind of something I quite like about that. Like I'm really enjoying enjoying kind of you know I, I love it now when you get a virtual event where someone's children do pop up yeah, yeah. or where you know the washing machine does go off and you know you're because you're like oh a little window into people's lives yeah, like that's, that's it's quite good I quite like it yeah um, <laughs> but yeah so I should I should apologize if one of my uh, children does come in I think no, my husband's fine. taking them out but um yeah I just heard one of them going <laughs> so um a little bit of backstory as to um why we were reading your book well a it's epic and we love it um and a lot of our Thank readers you. were wanting to do a thriller because we haven't done one yet so we casted a vote for october and your book won by by far so everybody in who's reading with yeah. us is so excited to read your book wonderful that's yeah. great to hear so thank it's you. an added bonus that we get to speak to you as well so thank you <laughs> no worries yeah. um so the way we like to sort of do these chats i guess is um not so formal as you've probably seen we're not the most formal people, people ever well. yay good great <laughs> um, wonderful so you know feel free if you trail off don't worry about it um and oh good and just <laughs> and don't be offended if we butt in <laughs> oh feel free that's fine yeah um awesome so probably we have to start with um we know you're an actress so could you tell us a little bit of um the story about you being an actress and also how you've gone from living in the UK to Australia yeah so um gosh acting days were about oh 10 years ago now um so I decided to stop being an actor in yeah 2008 I think so gosh even longer than 10 years such a long time ago um but it was something that I'd wanted to do you know ever since I was really small uh I was always um hankering after you know school plays and stuff I didn't didn't really do anything else I didn't play any sports I didn't um you know, play an instrument. I, I I didn't do any other extracurricular activities other than just be in all the plays, like find all the kind of community drama <laughs> yeah. things. And um, I sharpened my elbows and fought my way to to being to playing all the leads. It was really <laughs> annoying, really that irritating. Way, <laughs> That's right. I'm a lead actress. Um, but you, I I just I loved Sheffield, it. Didn't you? Sorry, Yanni. You yeah. Know, you, I I went to uni in Sheffield. Get out of town! Yeah, yeah, totally. I was kind of like, oh. before you were born, but um, but yeah, 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 totally. I I went to university in she- Sheffield University, and I've still got oh friends. Oh my I've still god! Got friends in Sheffield now. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> I love 
Sheffield Tilda. Yeah, I was born there. Oh, yeah. I make fun of her now because now I think she sounds just as Australian Bogan as I do. But <laughs> I wouldn't say either of you sound like Bogan. But um, well, she does. She says Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I'm at Monday. Do you really? In Australia, Monday, Monday, <laughs> Tuesday, Wednesday. Goodness me. <laughs> no, so um, yeah, I grew up in in Sheffield. Um, and but I uh, studied. I, I did um, a drama degree in Manchester, so yeah. I was there for three years. Um, had the most amazing group of friends, a lot of whom have gone on to do some really amazing things. You know, people, uh, my classmates working at the the, the BBC and um, at Netflix, and yeah. um, Benedict Cumberbatch was the year wow. above me. Oh wow! Um, yeah. So we've got a, we've got a hugely impressive yeah. kind of. Um, you know, class of whatever it yeah. was, 2001 yeah. or whatever. Um, and then after university, I spent three years at RADA in London. So that's the Royal Academy yeah. of Dramatic Art. Um, and that was all acting training. Had the most amazing time. Um, and again, you know, a very glittery um not not a cast, but you know, like yeah. a, the, the people that were around me have, yeah. have gone on to do some amazing things. It's all very impressive, um, and and very very uh, fulfilling and exciting. And I honestly thought that um, my future was kind of um, paved with gold. You know, like mm. the the path to my future was was paved yeah. with gold. Um, uh, but the, the the problem with I think graduating from. Uh, a drama school, particularly one like that, that's very, um, you, you know, your expectations are built quite yeah. highly. I, I was talking to a yeah. friend of mine that I graduated with the other day and we were both saying that what Rada, I think in hindsight, taught us more than anything was was how to be a star and I think when you're nice. not a star and you know, yeah. you, you kind of, you come down to earth with a bit of a bump and also you're not as kind of, um, uh, you know, you, well, you're not, taken care of at all when you're out on your own and you're a yeah. professional you know you're you're kind of fending for yourself yeah. and um learning really quickly how to stand on your own two feet after having you know years and years of um people of structure and protection yeah. and um you know I think that's true of anything that you do when you're an adult but I, I think particularly with with creative stuff it's just such a rude shock getting out there and realizing that actually you're not as special as you think you are. You know, there's it, it's a massively oversaturated yeah. um, industry. Yeah. Sometimes you you go to uh, castings and and I'd literally be, um, you know, one of twenty five mm. blonde girls. You know, everybody yeah. looked exactly like me. Yeah. Um, and you kind of wonder what your contribution is. You know, what 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 are you doing that nobody else is doing? Yes. Mm. Um, and you know the financially it's it's pretty rocky you know sometimes when I got telly gigs I'd be like yay drinks are on me and then yeah. the next month I'd be, be you know I, I yeah nothing at all yeah. I mean I, I always had jobs I always tempt um but you know those those are hard times as well because when you're temping not really part of a team you, you are temporary uh so people don't really take the time to get to know you and you don't feel like you belong and so your whole life is just this kind of it's very transitory it's very 
you just kind of feel like you're in limbo all the time. And I think mm. that for some people that really works. Yeah. There is a lot of freedom in that. You know, yeah. there's, there are some some upsides. But for me, I think I quickly discovered I'm just not one of those people. Yeah. And I, I can't, um, I don't do unpredictability very well. Yeah. Um, and the other... Go on. So no, I was actually just sort of when you were talking, Anna, I was kind of thinking of a lot of parallels between what Katie and her partner Jay do because um, they um, they're filmmakers, and Katie's also a, a fashion photographer. And it's exactly you know yeah. the same the same kind of thing is that you know they're put on hold or asked to pitch for something. It some, drives my poor insane. She's like, you know, are you available for family dinner in two weeks? I said, Mum, I don't know. You know, and and you can put all this, they can put all this work into, you know, putting together a pitch and, and, and doing all of these things. And then, and then, but somebody else gets the job and for no rhyme or reason other than that they, yeah. then they might be in a different place at the right place. I mean, who knows? Mm. Who knows? You know, and, and I think it's exactly the same kind of thing. I feel like there's, there's so mm. much work or sometimes there isn't that much work, mm. you know. It, it I, really is. It and would I, drive I me really insane too. Yeah, I really empathise with that. And I, I think a huge part of it was that I was like, I can't spend the rest of my life kind of uh, sitting here with the, with everything else on hold. You know, I can't. I can't book any holidays. I can't experience the world. You know, how am I going to, um, you know, as, a, as, as an actor, you know, as, as a storyteller, your job is to explore uh, people and places yeah. and situations and, you know, the rich tapestry that is humanity. Yeah. And if you can't get out and see any of that or explore any of that, if you're stuck in a, in a, in a one bedroom flat above a curry house in Deptford yeah. and you literally can't, you know, you, you're always waiting for the phone to ring. Mm. I just, I don't see how, yeah. I got, I got to a point where I was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I can't do it. Yeah. So um, I decided to take a bit of a sabbatical. And I, at the time, I was really into snow sports and snowboarding. So I was like, I'm just going to go and do a ski season and just yeah. at least tick that off my yeah. uh, bucket list. Yeah. Um, in the second week of that ski season, I met my go? now husband. Where did you go? Oh, I went to uh, Saint-Foy-Tarentaise, which is a small, um, it's actually not that small anymore. It's, it's much more developed than it was 12 years ago. But um, it's a French-run small oh, yeah, resort, okay. yeah. uh, not far from, not far from Teen, actually, not yeah, far okay. from Val d'Isère. Val d'Isère, um, yeah. Yeah, mm. right. Okay. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I met my, my now husband there. And I don't know, I just felt happier and more free and had a, a greater sense of direction than I'd had in years. Yeah. Um, and I suddenly felt actually the world is so much bigger and more exciting than than, than I have thus far believed it to be. Yeah. So that Amazing. was, yeah, that was the point at which I stopped. Um, and then I'm going to skip over a big chunk. Yeah. And, yeah, <laughs> we ended up ended up here in Australia because yeah. my husband is Australian. Yeah. He's from the Central Coast. Um, and it kind of just it happened organically. There was no real big decision made that that was where we were going to live. It just, you know, just traveling and visas. And this is where we ended up. Yeah. 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 Oh, OK. Amazing. Good. OK. So we're going to skip skip forward to 2016. Um, yeah. which, you know, as you said, was the year that almost killed you. And um, so for any of our listeners or, or, or followers that, that don't know a little bit about what was happening for 
Anna, you were living on the central coast. You just had your second baby, and your your old is your was your, is your first child a, a a girl or a boy? Was it you had a, a girl it, first? Jack came first. He's a boy, a and boy, then and Daisy then came. You had a baby girl, so two under two, um, yeah. and you were suffering from postnatal anxiety. Yeah. Do you want to yeah, can you really... tell us a little bit more about that? Absolutely, it was a, it, it was. Obviously, you know, in many ways, a wonderful time because, uh, you know, I was I was living um, my new dream and I was on, you know, living in this incredible country um, in a beautiful suburb on the central coast, right by the ocean. Uh, wonderful husband, two very healthy, fantastic children. Um, but uh, so the first problem, I think, was that I just didn't really feel fulfilled and I felt very um, far away from the person that I had always been. Yeah. So yeah. You know, in upending my life in that way, I kind of shattered my identity uh, and I was kind of trying to forge a new life and a new me, which at the time, you know, having run from something that wasn't working, I was like, oh, I'll just reinvent myself. Yeah. This is fine. This is great. But of course you know, um, you need to be personally fulfilled. And also, um, I think, you know, for, for anybody moving to a different place, it takes a really long time to find your people, find your tribe. Um, and it certainly took a long time for me. So I was, I was unfulfilled, uh, a bit confused. Mm. I was, I was a bit lonely. Um, and then, you know, I had the two children and, and as anyone who's had kids will know that, that, you know, it's a it's an in, it's an intensely joyful time, but it's also an intensely confusing and lonely time. Yes. So all of that stuff kind of compounded. Yeah. And then my um, my daughter never slept. Uh, we don't really know why, but there was like eight months where I just I, I was sleep. just completely wow. driven insane by sleep deprivation. Wow. Um, and of course, you know, you you the, the sun would rise and my son would get up. So it's like yeah, you know, you, you get rest. that advice. Yeah. Sleep when the baby's yeah. I'm like, are you kidding? Yeah. Are you kidding? Yes. Um, so I completely, um, I was just mad. I was really mad. I was quite, quite miserable and didn't really know how to fix anything. And then it all just got worse and worse. And then there were, there, there were these times when I would just be, I would just collapse in the house in tears. I couldn't stop crying. Uh, I was fearful all the time. Just like, you know, that, that feeling right before a really important job interview. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I was just all the time. time. So my adrenaline levels were unhealthily high. I was in a constant state of fight or flight. I couldn't make any decisions. I would cry in the supermarket because I couldn't make a decision between two particular wow. types of cereal. Oh, when did you realize? Um, when did you realize that you were mad? If you, if you like, I mean, I, I kind of you know. Mad. Well, no, no, no. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just kind of my words. My words. No, no, no. I'm totally no, 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 mad. No, I'm just no. I'm, I'm just, I'm just quoting Anna, and I don't. Obviously, I don't. Yeah. I don't mean it in 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 that way. Yeah, I know. Um, Sorry. But, no, I hear you. <laughs> but. Um, Thank you, you know, for because, talking about it with yeah, us, by the because, way. It's really brave of you. Because, because I'm very comfortable talking such, about it now. It, it is. I mean, um, you know, having to, having two small children, um, even at the best of time, is the best of times is, you know, w- with family and, and a support network around you is is really is really really hard going and you don't know whether you you know you don't know whether you're up or down most most of the time. But I mean when I'm just actually really interested and I think it's it's probably quite important for anybody who is watching or listening um, 
um, to hear to hear about that. You know, at what stage do you were you able to say this is this is not right? I am I am not right. Yeah. So I did have I did have some people that I I would hang out with and, and some other mums, um, some of whom were quite open, you know, in, in talking about how tired they were and how miserable they were and stuff. But I, I don't feel like ever when we were all going through it, nobody was really 100% honest. Yeah. Um, and, and I remember feeling, uh, I, re- I remember quite a few very specific circumstances, you know, barbecues and stuff like that. And I just felt so ashamed that I didn't seem to be enjoying it as much as everybody else. And that yeah. I was, you know, really in the, in the pit of me, just feeling so... Uh, sad and miserable um, and then there came all of those sort of panic attacks uh, and, and crying jags mm. and uh, yeah there was a, a very specific moment uh, and I can put myself back there I was in um, uh, a house that we used to live in just 20 minutes up the coast and I was on the landing I had one child screaming in one room and another child screaming in the other. And I was kind of curled on the landing in this ball, just kind of going, all right, all right, all right. This can't continue. I need, I need to do something about this. And the only thing I could think of was a friend of mine had said that she'd, and she said it in a very kind of, kind of way. She just said, I've had some panic attacks. And I went to, uh, um, she went to see, um, a homeopath okay yeah and so I texted her and just said oh, oh what's the name of that homeopath I like, didn't say anything yeah. like I'm uh, dying here but do you know what's yeah. the name of the homeopath and I went to see this homeopath and I don't think the homeopath actually did anything for me necessarily but mm. it was that first step in in going to see somebody and the whole consultation consisted of me describing what happened to what me over on? the last kind yeah. of eight months mm. and it was after that that I I, I was like, oh yeah, no, actually, when I really lay it out like that, yeah. I'm not coping at all yeah. and I need to go and see my GP. And the weird thing is that I think now, if 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 I were to speak to somebody who's going through that, I would say, go see your GP yeah. and be honest, be honest about what's happening. But at the time, everything just felt very rational. I don't think when you're in it, you don't realize how yeah. bad it is. Um, and also, I remember thinking, all these adverts say, go get some help. I was like, where is the help? Yes. Where is the line that you call? Yeah. Because I'm so busy, I can't get out to see the GP. Yes. I can't make an appointment. I need to speak to someone in this moment now. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. also, by the time you get to the GP, you're all right. And, you're like, and you go, yeah. oh, I'm okay today, actually. I'm fine. I'm fine. You know, yeah, that's no, all right. Mm. Yeah. But when you're in those moments, it's like the bottom has dropped out of your life and you are plummeting through a chasm. That's when you need to speak to somebody. And so I think now what I would recommend Mm. is that when you're in those moments, write it down or like use your your dictaphone or something that will remind you when you're back on a slightly more even keel, but Mm. will remind you where you go to in those moments and how bad it gets. Because you've got to go see a GP You've got to be honest about what you're going through because, you know, 
none of it is abnormal. It's all yeah. completely normal. Yeah. We all go through this stuff. But for some reason, there's the most ridiculous uh, stigma uh, still around uh, all mental health, but particularly, I think, postnatal stuff. We don't want to talk about it. We don't want to admit that yeah. we actually don't. We, we don't like that game. Because, we're not, because we're, we we're not we having a good time, perfect, you know? Don't we? You know, I mean, I, th- mm. I, I, mean, I think, you know, uh, particularly, oh, yeah. particularly, as as new parents, as mothers, you know, I mean, we're setting ourselves up for a fall because you, you know, you the expectation that you mm. have to nail it every single time in every mm. every situation. Um, I think is uh, can be so intense that mm. you know how can you possibly admit even to yourself that that you know you're you're not coping. Mm. That added pressure of if you're not coping, maybe you're, you know, you, I feel like every conversation that I had back then, everything was preempted with, I really love my children, yeah, but I'm feeling like this. You know, it's like you have to justify. Yeah, justify, but but prove that you you do love your kids and you you are a good mum. But you just happen to be struggling a little bit. It's like, no, 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 let's just all be honest. It's really, really difficult. It can be excruciatingly hard. Um, And as you said, the pressure to succeed, the pressure to nail it uh, is is, um, very intense and mounting every day. And it's all tied up with capitalism as well, because it's all about, you know, you've got to buy the right products. Um, you've got to um, adhere to a certain ideology or stick to a certain yeah. set of rules. What kind of mum are you? Are you an attachment parenting? Are you, yeah. you know, are, are you a bugaboo mum? Yeah. You know, what kind of? And it's like, can we just stop and mm. just maybe just yeah? I, I, f- I found it so overwhelming, and mm. I think that the aspect of the book that deals with yeah. perfectionism comes from those feelings that I was really I was really channeling yes. those at the time which is um yeah just that that uh, shame for one shame around perhaps yeah, not that's, getting that's it right wanted, that's yeah. where I wanted to sort of lead into next which is so thank you so much for being vulnerable and, and talking about all of that with us um no, no problem. which is really huge and really amazing of you to open and honest about it but I think um where I'd like to tie it back to is do you think that some of those experiences that you went through shaped um some inspiration behind the book or like with characters of um character elements of Emily as well I mean they are all really different characters and I think that obviously while Emily is much more um uh, a kind of literal version of me and I think I channel a lot of my actual real life experiences through her um but at that age you know like um sort of mid mid to late 20s me um the other characters um they all come from me as well and I think they're all um the manifestation of certain feelings and fears and um anxieties and hopes and dreams all those things that were going through my mind at Mm. the time um so yeah very particular scott particularly i think his strongest characteristic is is um is the drive to succeed but also fear that he will turn into his uh father and shame um that he's perhaps not not making the right choices or not doing, you know, he, he he's treading a tightrope. Um, oh, very, and yeah, every very single so. step yeah. for him 
is is you know the stakes are so high mm. um it's about it, that it's about that control isn't yeah. it it's about it's about staying staying in control staying and you in feel control. as you're reading it that exactly what you say like the stakes are just getting higher and you feel that like pressure which i've never experienced postnatal depression but i've had um or anxiety but i've suffered from anxiety since i was a kid so i can kind of understand i have empathy in that whole um it's like super consuming and when you're in it you can't get out of it and you need help now but you don't know how to ask for help and all of that and I felt like as I was reading that you could feel this sort of like you very cleverly like blocked it up a little bit like as I was reading it with Scott I was like oh dear what's gonna happen like I felt that internal thing yeah yeah I mean the whole that means that that job is you know I, I I did I achieved what I set out to achieve, which is to kind of com- communicate emotionally what I was feeling at the time, mm. which is exactly that. Mm. Mm. So where did the inspiration for the book come from? Oh, um, so let's um, let's cycle back yeah. to... Uh, <laughs> so we've really <laughs> brought down the time, haven't we? We're coming from like, hi, Anna. So let's talk about real stuff. <laughs> Love it. Deep dive. Straight in there. Let's go. Um, so I... I met my husband at the ski season. We we um, dis- I decided not to go back to London, and Matt and I decided to carry on traveling and and doing some seasonal jobs and having some adventures yeah. um, before settling down. One of those adventures uh, took the form of a. A summer job, which we did twice, two summers running, yeah. working for and living with a very wealthy family on their remote property on the Midwest coast of France. Yes. So uh, we actually, I mean, it, it's so funny because in some of the reviews, um, there have been some people that have said things like, yeah, I, I just didn't, I didn't find Emily's decision plausible that she would just throw everything in and go and live with this family. Um, got, and I was like, I would totally, I did it. I, would, I was like, totally. I'm just remembering, I actually got offered to go and stay at someone's French house with my partner and work as um, house, like as a, yeah, like a general, a house, house, but general, a general house. house. So yeah. actually, excuse me to all those haters, legit that happens. <laughs> Legit, that happens all the time, and it was my real experience. I did make that decision, and I was like, "Yes, I I don't, I I kind of don't care what kind of people you are. I'm done with this life. (laughs) I I want some of yours. Thank you very much." Um, So um, we did that. We did that for two summers running. It was the most extraordinary experience. Um, They were incredibly wealthy. They were really beautiful and warm and lovely people. We're still friends. and uh, you know nothing awful happened while we worked there but I do remember um several times saying to my husband like you know I don't know there were just certain things that happened that were really odd or that Mm, like um so they the family weren't there the whole time and this property was gigantic it was enormous and there were two houses on it and it was surrounded by ocean and forest yeah but like in the middle of the night we might hear a noise in the house Mm. And you know that feeling when you're sitting up in bed yeah. in the dark going... Yeah, totally. What was that? What was that? You have to trust then, that you know, intuition too. There's like, I feel like you ha- you don't get that feeling for no reason. Like, Well, I mean, I, it was just, it really set the imagination going. And then they had, they had some kind of family members that came to stay and they had some friends that came to stay. And it was just like this... Um, four months very hedonistic yeah 
four months of a real glimpse into a different life. But because we were living with them as well, it was, you just really saw it up close. And I did say to Matt a few times while we were there, I was like, someone's got to write about this. But yes. I didn't, I didn't think it would be me because at, at that point I wasn't. You know, so was, was there, a, was there a, a guest house and a main house? Yeah. Same as in the book? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. There's a guest house and a main house. Both were were pretty huge. I mean, I think now when we talk about guest houses, we think of sort of almost little pool houses at the bottom of a garden. Yeah. Together, but they were two fully, massive. Um, yeah. yeah, massive houses. Uh, one of them was like six bedrooms. I think the other one was maybe four, but they were really big. Mm. and beautiful and there was the infinity pool and there was a quad trike quad bike yeah. track around the property wow. there was the fishing hut um things that I didn't include were that there was a uh, a tunnel uh that went down like it was that like private beach access oh, so it was this kind of really strange sort of yeah. smuggler's tunnel oh, that went five. down to the beach hey famous five Yes, yes, just like that, just like famous five, <laughs> Smuggler's Cove. Um, and then there were, they had a speedboat in the marina um, that the, the, our employers didn't really, um, I don't know if they didn't know how to work it or they just preferred <laughs> Not to. us to drive it, but they used to ask us to take them out on it. And, um, you know, part of our job was to go and take the speedboat out. Mm, um, that's, oh, that's hard. To kind of keep the engine that's ticking. Tough. Also, I don't know. Um, it was a... Yeah, it was tough. tough um, but um, it, it was the most amazing experience and really eye-opening. And so obviously part of um, the inspiration from the book came directly from that. And then the other part of the inspiration of the book, I don't know if I can talk about. Do you, do you want me to talk about spoilers not? about or the not? end. No, no we've, we actually just, we actually just discussed this beforehand. And I think, I think because it is such a spoiler... Um, yeah. And not everybody will already have read the book and we Fine. want them to listen or watch this and to go and read it. So, no, we, we, let's, not, let's not go there. But well, what I will say, what I will say is that yes. um, there's another uh, sort of, um, th there's another side to the coin yeah. almost. And so there's another half, another part of uh, the inspiration that comes from somewhere else. And it was something that I became obsessed with yeah. during my sleepless nights. Um, uh, it was something that was ticking over in my brain constantly. I yeah. don't know why I fixated on this this one thing, this one idea. But the uh, the, the kind of um, the shaping of the story came from smushing those two things yeah, together. Okay. So, for example, what if this happened yeah. in this setting? Yes. Yeah. So, is that what inspired you to write it as a thriller? Well, funnily enough, I didn't mean it to be a thriller. Yeah. Um, I it was sort of accidental. Uh, I never meant to write. A <laughs> I love it. Book. I accidentally wrote something. I accidentally scary. wrote a thriller. <laughs> ah, who knew? Um, who knew that was what was in my brain? Um, but it was a bit like that. It was a bit like I, I, it just came out like that. So yeah. I thought I was going to be writing something a lot funnier. Um, so I felt particularly inspired to write uh, when I re when I read things like uh, I, I would read Leanne Moriarty yeah. or like Stephen Fry. You yes. know, a, a I feel like there is humor in it though. I feel like Emily has like a, a cool sense of humor. 
Yeah, good. Thank you. Like David Nichols. I mean, I think that um, I read. I read somewhere. I mean, don't you love? Yeah. I mean, Jojo Moyes, David Nichols. You know that that just the the complexity of the characters and and the airing of their problems, but with humour. Yeah. Because yeah. Because it there's such gorgeous, gorgeous humour mm. in them. I mean, I, I adore David Nichols mm. and, and and Jojo Moyes, and yeah. I, you know, um, I, I'm really glad that you think that there's there's that sort of um, tenderness and, and humour like, in de- it. There is. Um, there is. I thought, yeah, like I said, I thought I was writing something much funnier because the, the point at which I started was very much like, well, you know, what what kind of weird and quirky experiences have I had as an yeah. actor that I could kind of begin with? And so I began by writing out these scenes um, that, that describe what it's like to be in in, in a really strange casting. Yeah. And I've had loads of different weird yeah. audition experiences. So I started out with that. But then I think, I think that things own situations on on the whole only become funny afterwards when you're in them they're kind of not necessarily as funny as 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 they might become and certainly that situation for me when I was in it was actually quite painful and awful and so when I was writing them and you know I have to as an actor, I'm just used to doing it anyway. But I, you know, I, if if I were to sit myself and position myself emotionally in yeah. that in that phase of my life, or or in that fictional circumstance, yeah. the humor just kind of it wasn't appropriate anymore. So there were these scenes that we cut out um, mm. when when it got when I had a publisher and yeah. an, a, an agent and we were editing. Yeah. Um, the humour was just cut away and cut away and cut away because it just didn't fit anymore. Um, Like I said, because I think that 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 humour's only... uh, If if you're writing something and you want some emotional immediacy and emotional authenticity, Mm. you kind of have to be in it at the same level that the characters are. And then it's not so funny, particularly um, if really what what you're writing about is kind of um, somebody feeling trapped or lonely yeah. or scared um I feel like or, or having or having me- men- mental illness yeah. um I feel well, like yeah. an example yeah. of like yeah. a situation that's really not funny and would be really really intimidating and I, when I read it I didn't find it funny but then afterwards I kind of was like that's really funny <laughs> was when Emily first rocks up at the house and she um <laughs> she's just like Hello. <laughs> well, and yeah. All of a sudden, and I think, like pop up, and I'm like, that would be so intimidating, and that's uh, such a power playing move. But like, it's like, and then afterwards, I was like, but that's that's so weird, and it's like so funny. And like, the, you can imagine yeah. how she would tell that story. Yeah, yeah totally. I walked up You'd in this like, mansion, and like, yeah. no one was there, and then all of a sudden, I was like. <laughs> And then I dropped this dish and there yeah. was crap around. Oh, my yeah. God, it was more I mean. You know, you, you know like how after. she would tell it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In the moment. It wasn't funny. <laughs> well, no, because, yeah, because yeah. you, 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 you know, there's a great Atwood quote that um, a story is not a story until you tell it to somebody. Yes. Yes. And so when you're living it, it's like a, it's like being in a kind of a storm at sea and everything's yeah. confusing and weird yeah. and you don't have the hindsight to know what the tone is. Yes. Do you know what I mean? It yeah. could go yeah, any totally, which way. Totally, yeah. It's the recounting so that makes it funny. I mm-hmm. think that the, 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 it, 
it became a thriller naturally for two reasons. One was because the story from the get-go really is fundamentally about the discovery of a secret. Yes. So um, if you're following somebody that's that's walking into a new situation and it's you know they, they don't know what's going on that's that naturally yeah. already you know gives you the, the the engine of a thriller yeah because um, you have that momentum because you know that you're actually going towards the reveal that that you know yeah. all of these you've got all of these clues mm. and and and, yeah. and hints along you know along all that layering that you do and you know that ultimately there's going to be some kind of reveal mm. um yeah yeah. yeah. So it naturally came about like that. And I think the other reason is that, um, yeah, it, it just came out the way it came out. Um, I didn't know quite what I was going to write. I, I've always been drawn to dark, darker yeah. stuff and darker themes. It really fascinates me. Human psychology fascinates yeah. me. But the, the, the books and the uh, TV shows and the movies that really set me alight uh, and get my pulse racing are those the ones that have you know something really dark or something undiscovered or like like a shark underneath yeah, the totally. water you know yes. something yes. simmering away under there yeah. and so I think naturally every chapter ended with something a little bit eerie or mysterious mm. and so I think it was you know sort of 25,000 words in I was like yeah, okay, I'm right yeah. here. I'm right yeah. here. Yeah, like yeah. naturally when something looks super perfect from the outside, I don't know if this is just like my sceptical brain or if this is everybody's. So you all don't think the same way as I do and then don't judge me. But when something's too perfect, I'm always like, is it though? Yeah, but is it really? Is it though? <laughs> so I felt like the, you know, the closer that like Emily got with the family and it was all kind of like hunky-dory, I was like, is it though? Is it really? And then they go upstairs and the bedroom's all dusty. I'm like, yeah, it's the entire yeah, yeah. like not uh, good. This is actually a really good segue because we've talked. I mean, we've talked about we- we've talked about Emily and we've talked a little bit a little bit about uh, about Scott. But Nina, yes. you know, she oh. is. Wow. I loved Nina. She was so, so complex. I loved um, her. I was like, you know, and I, and I, I have to say, Anna, I think that that Nina really elevates the novel. From you know, because kind of in a, in a way, if you like Emily, I mean, you said yourself, Emily thinks she's in a rom com, and she kind of does. She's sort of bumbling along, and and you know, she thinks she thinks she's yeah. going there to live this dream. And and Scott is complex, and yeah. you know, we know he self harms and he's trying to keep control. But Nina, I f- and I is- feel like everybody's met a Nina too. Like I don't really? know. Yeah, I feel like I. I don't know, even talking about with, like, some mums and stuff, I, I'm going to sound super judgmental, but even, like, amongst my friends, I feel like some, like, not my close friends, but other mums, oh, now I've got to be careful what I say. <laughs> but, like, there's that level of, like, um, like not wanting to give up any, like, secrets and she's, like, like, hide stuff from themselves and not letting anyone in, but you can tell, like, they're super, super in love with their kid, but there's, like, this, like, complex boundary yeah. that lures you in that's what I mean when I yeah. feel like everyone's met a Nina you've met, not necessarily in a maternal way but maybe amongst friends or friends of friends or like or I some, know, what do you mean someone who sort of holds on so tight yeah like you want to crack but, them um, you can like yeah. you can tell that there's good in them but you can like also see that they're just like there's something not quite right not, you know it gets me really yeah. like 
oh, yeah. I need to crack who this person is. So, 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 so sorry. So, 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 no, we'll thank talking. you. We'll tell us more. Wonderful to hear you talking about her like that. It's so nice. Yeah. I love her so much. Yeah. Um, and she's very, very real and, you know, fully realised in my head. Mm. Um, and writing her, I think she was, she changed a lot um, because when I first submitted the manuscript to agents and publishers, her section, her story appeared, you know, two thirds of the way in, in one big lump. And yeah, it was okay. like, there was the big reveal. And then you got all of Nina's story. Yeah. And my, my, my thoughts were, it's like a story within a story. Yeah. Mm. Um, but unfortunately that didn't really uh, help the narrative drive. And then at that point, it, the, the book kind of fell a bit flat because um, the tension was dissipated. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it, it, it was felt by everybody across the board that, that the best way to remedy that would be to break it up mm. and then seed it through the book. But what yeah. that meant then is that it kind of took on a slightly different, more fragmented yes. um, um sort of uh because I'd broken it up it was literally fragmented but also it, it was then you you know I, I I could only really get to her in snatches do you know what I mean I could but, only really but, see but, but that her works in little... so perfectly though yes yeah. you know yeah. because that is all you ever get you yeah. all you ever all she gives of herself let alone through the narrative is all she gives of herself are these and Nina you know, it's a, it, and with um, Nina it's the stuff that she doesn't say you know it's like yeah exactly but I think that's because the there's so much about her own self that she doesn't understand yeah, yeah. and the fact that the fact that it's written in first person present tense as well yeah. I wanted it to be like these are the points at which you're dropped into her mind this is what it's like being in her head at this moment mm. yes uh, and then you're lifted back out and you're you're you know you're you're back in with um and Emily the, and Scott and as, and as the reader kind of like you alternate between between wanting to just kind of like envelop her in a huge hug or slap her yes um, you know kind of like yeah I've never, I've never I've like a, love and hated someone so much mm. in a book I was like you tit like you're so mean to Emily <laughs> and then yeah. I was like Oh my gosh! You know, you like, poor tormented oh, person. Like, you know, you're so, so unhappy. Much love and yeah. she's so isolated uh, and like. And then when you when you think about where she's come from and mm. what's happened, yeah. Even though, like you said, I mean, I only really you you only really get kind of jigsaw pieces, yeah. little kind of isolated fragments of what she's going through. But I feel like it's sufficiently explained that you know she's she's very very broken um, yeah. and. Um, she, the, the, yeah, she, she's a she's a good person that has been just railroaded by life. Mm -hmm. She's been given a really bad hand, and it, it, everything that happens is her way of trying to save herself and trying mm -hmm. to claw her way back to something that she feels is valuable, mm -hmm. um, and to create um, the things that she always wanted and yeah. that she feels yeah. she lost. Um, you know, it is. It's hard to talk about her without spoilers. I think, but but yeah. I yeah. really enjoyed writing, writing her pieces. Her. Um, really enjoyed it. I particularly enjoyed um, some of the later parts of her story. Um, yeah. You know, the very very intense uh, bits. Um, the, you know, the action, the, the intense action bits yeah. of, of what she goes through. I just loved it. Yeah. And mm -hmm. she feels very real. Are you writing anything now or are you still at busy.com? No, no, I, I am. Um, I, I'm, 
Currently working on the second draft of uh, a new novel. It's okay. completely different, totally different characters. Um, I say second draft, it feels like the first draft because the first draft was uh, not right and I felt it wasn't right the whole time. So I'm, yeah. I'm now kind of in the process of dismantling it and rebuilding it. Um, and I've now got this outline that I'm really excited about and that, oh, that really works. But it's been a bit of a, it's been a tough process. I think largely because, you know, starting to when you when you have a a two book contract you know on the on the one hand that's brilliant and yeah. very very exciting and I'm very lucky to have had that but on the other hand it's it's a lot of pressure for somebody that's never worked to a deadline before yeah. and you know I think for most people first books are born uh, from such a genuine uh place of you know just pure inspiration yeah and it's it's something that just you have to drag out of you because mm. you can't you don't you don't yeah. know what else yeah, 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 yeah. to do with it and it, in fact you're not dragging out of your bursts forth yes. um but with the second book particularly if it's written under you know pressure of time and also uh written from a place where the stakes are so high yeah. you know if you've been lucky enough to have a successful first book um wow it's a long way to fall you know so you've uh, I think there's a few things that are I mean that's where second book syndrome comes from but Mm. you know throw in a global pandemic and throw in um you know lots and lots of digital promotional events as well uh, and homeschooling yeah yeah it's been really hard uh, and I think that what I came out with what what I eventually handed in was so confused and so sort of fragmented but thankfully I've been able to um, figure out what it is that I've been trying to do and I'm now working towards that so yeah I mean like hopefully it should be out I think in Australia maybe by the end of next year maybe early 2022 so you'd like to tell us a little little bit about it or like at least what you're doing yeah, so uh, it's about um, it's a book that follows uh, a a mother and a son, and uh, the the son has become involved with the dark web. So it's largely a story okay. about um, parental fear in a digital age, yeah. and how we are raising children. Um, in a world where the internet is indispensable, but perhaps we did not grow up with it ourselves. Yeah. So we're kind of trying to so guide and advise our children um, in this 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 brave new world. And and our children, of course, are because you know they they speak a different language to us yeah. really with regards to technology. Um, but it's you know it, we. I think my generation, we embrace um, technology to the hilt, but we are also very afraid of it. And there's a lot that we don't, we don't know about it. Mm. There's a lot of um, um, mythology around the internet that that kind of gets under our skin Mm. uh, and gives us nightmares. So I'm kind of trying to tap into those, those sorts of things. So basically this, um, this mother um, tries to, kind of curb her son's enthusiasm yeah. for uh, the dark web by moving him and them to a remote and idyllic uh, location. Yeah. Um, 
but the sun has unleashed something that follows them there. Let's just right. say that. Ah, oh, sounds amazing. <laughs> have, you, um, have you watched The Social Dilemma yet on Netflix? Not yet, but I've been told oh, uh, twice this week by yeah. two separate people that I have to watch it. I so, feel like that'll uh, help your study a lot because it's like really good interviews with really good people and – well, I don't know. I don't know what's going to help you, but I, I reckon it's really good because it ties that up and it talks about like that my generation, like people my age, were the last generation to go through high school without social media. So we like I had the start of like, what did I have? I had MySpace. You had MySpace. And MSN. Yeah. And that was like the I'm the last person. And it talks about um, basically like shaping identity that um, – because of social media, the forming of identity is being um, influenced by social media and the internet, whereas I'm the last generation that didn't get influenced as my identity as a growing human from social media. So it's really, really cool. And they and they talk a lot about kids because all of them have kids and they talk about whether like most of them don't let their sons and daughters have phones until they're 16. And yes, I know. Yeah, no, I'm really excited to watch it. It sounds like it's going to be perfect. I mean, I'm, I, I don't think I'm going to be able to go. It's such a massive subject now, isn't it? I'm not going to be able to really go too deeply into kind of into the social media stuff, but it is all of that. that, yeah. that um, you know, and I'm deeply, deeply fascinated by yeah. the fact that the um, creators and the founders of uh, social media tend not to let their children yes. um, you use know, it, run riot with it. Mm. Um, now, Debbie, are you going to be okay if I watch the social thing before Killing Eve or is that really going to upset you? No, nah, it's all right. It's, <laughs> no, it's not, no, nothing upsets me. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, I might watch that first and then watch, watch that Killing first. Eve. Yeah, because right. I feel that once you start Killing Eve, then, then you know, you, you that's going to be you for a while. Yeah, that's going to so, be you for a while. So, you know, yeah, so, that's so get actually, off the couch. You, you better, yeah, yeah. But then wash those camping clothes and um, <laughs> and restock. The so laundry. much laundry in my house right now. It's horrible. <laughs> Amazing. Well, um, that's all we've got yeah. for you, Anna. So-, so thank you so, so much for talking to us. Oh, we thank love you. the book. Thank you. What a pleasure. What a lovely thing to do with my Wednesday afternoon. Oh, it's like our you. pleasure. That's, that's a really nice pleasure. thing to say. Thanks. <laughs> and we'd love to talk to you again sometime. Yeah. Definitely. Let's do it again for sure. Um, hopefully with the next book. Maybe yeah. we'll pour ourselves a wine next time. Really settle in. I know, totally. We haven't had wine on the couch yet. We've only had no. tea. I feel like we're <laughs> <we're> <laughs> <kind of> like- <laughs> yeah. uh, I was going to say, I've got my I've got my little afternoon yeah, tea as well. But I think, um, Thank Cheers. you for a nice yeah. Cheers. 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 My, my Thanks, bridesmaid's Anna. mug. <laughs> <laughs> Take care. Bye. See you later. Take care. Thanks bye. a lot bye. for having me. So what did you reckon of that chat? Uh, that we, we could just have talked all day and all night. That was, uh, thank you, Anna. We just loved talking to you. Yeah, I um, felt like we were just gossiping with friends. I, I, totally, <laughs> totally. So come and visit us anytime. Yes. We'll have that glass of wine and um, we'll the, come up with a few more ideas. A few more <laughs> just ideas. to have you on both sides book club. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Amazing. Exactly. Um, so it's that time of the episode, everybody, where we are discussing our next book. So what is it, Matt? Okay. 
So our next book is I Give My Marriage a Year by Holly Wainwright. So this, um, Holly is um, an Australian author based in Sydney. Um, she is the content director for Mamma Mia, um, and this is her third novel. Um, and it's a goodie. Yes. It's a goodie. So it's got a um, fabulous cover. I know, hasn't it? Absolutely. So the basic story is that um, there are a couple, Lou and Josh, who've been together for 14 years. They've got two children and they're both working full time. Um, but things just kind of aren't really going that well. The gloss has gone from their marriage. They've been having some difficulties. Um, and Lou, in particular, really has got to the stage where she's trying to weigh up, well, is, is this what I want? Is this marriage worth it? So she makes a decision um, at New Year that she's going to give her marriage a year, another, a year another, another 12 months. And she's going to try the best she can. Um, and each month she's going to try something else to try and pull the marriage back together. Otherwise, she's going to call it quits. Woo, heavy. <laughs> and I just feel that it's a book that will speak to anybody who's ever been in a serious relationship because I think there are so many issues in it and it's also funny um, and it's sad and I think you're just going to love it. Awesome everybody so we can't wait for you to read I Give Our Manager Here and we're looking forward to speaking to you then. All right happy, happy reading. If you like this episode please subscribe and leave us a review. You can also find us on Instagram at both sides 